Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. read a few verses of scripture here to give us a little bit of a basis here this morning. Genesis 21, starting with verse 1, and I have a few, I'm going to read 10 verses this morning, just kind of give us a base. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Now, wouldn't you like to be in that predicament? And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Even with Isaac. Amen. This morning I'd like to uh, speak to us today just these two simple, two very simple words, but two words that can change the dynamics of many things whenever they're injected therein. I want to talk to you about but God, but God. Very simple, three letters apiece, but if you put them in the middle of some things, it can change the whole dynamics of whatever it may be. Amen. Can we talk to the Lord right now? Father, I come to you today. I need you, Jesus, this morning. God, bring all things to my mind's remembrance. Pray, O oh Lord, to be able, Lord, to speak whatever you would like to say or speak, God, in this house. I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that we were dealing, Lord Jesus, in, Lord, times when men and women, God, are disheartened, God, in life. I pray, O oh Lord, that you're able to speak and minister to them. You're able to help them, Lord Jesus. God, you're able to minister, Lord, to the spirits and souls of people that are here. God, let someone be spoken to, a life God be spoken to. Know, God, that you're able to do it. God, that you're able to minister, Lord Jesus, to your people today. We'll love you and we'll thank you, God, for what you're capable of doing the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. And the church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I believe that we live, I believe that we live in a society today that it's not necessarily that people don't want to change, but they don't think that they can change. Uh, be in the position that I am, I know sometimes, and I, I have used the old phraseology that I believe bears very much true, and that is people do what people want to do. That, that seems to bear true in every element of life, life, even outside of the church element, that people do what people want to do. 
But there is another aspect that I believe people uh, don't, don't change sometimes because they think it's an impossibility. Somehow I believe they have stationed something in their mind. It's like a threshold, if you will, that once they step or have stepped across that threshold or that particular place that there is, there is no, no room or place for a turnaround. There is no room or no place for a U-turn in order to make anything different. I, I believe that there's a certain spot in their life that whenever they have went so far that there are no other options but just to keep on going the direction that they are heading, the direction that they are going. Just go headlong in the wrong direction because to them personally, they feel like there is no other Option. There is nothing else on the table that they can choose from. I derive some of this mentality from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27, where it is relating to us the story of the apostle Paul who has got on a ship and there are, the Bible says, 276 individuals on this ship. There are various types. Some of them are captains. Some of them are prisoners, or I should say the majority of them are prisoners. Others are people that were centurions, people that were officials, people that were helping steer and control the ship. But a good portion of those that found themselves on the ship this day were 276 prisoners, people that have made some choices and decisions in life that caused them to be placed where they were placed and they were on a boat now and they were on a voyage. Paul being numbered among them, falsely accused as he may have been, but he's here numbered among, if I could say the transgressors, numbered among the prisoners. The Bible says there came a point of time in their selling that there was a tempestuous wind that overtook them by the name of Euryclidon. And the Bible says from there, it just went terribly downhill. They started to throw out even some of the tacklings of the ship, things that perhaps they would even need or you would need if you seen that you were going to continue to live life, but they began to abandon all. And as they began to ba abandon all from day to day, the tackling and, and to lighten the ship as much as they could because of the beating of the waves that were against them, there came to a point of time, the Bible says in this voyage, that they could neither see the sun nor the stars that were in the sky. All of those that are on the ship this day was in a place in their journey. Uh, sailors, for the most part, taking in the sun and the stars for navigation, taking in the sun and the stars so that they could determine where they were located in the ocean. All of that was gone. All of that was gone. They, they had no navigation system, if you will. They, they had no way to know where they were or where they were headed. They had come to a place in their journey. The Bible states very particularly, no doubt, not knowing where you are or where you're going, it's going to bring confusion into your life going to bring confusion into your life. You're going to be overwhelmed by not knowing those things. You're going to be overwhelmed. And the Bible states it very clearly in these, these few little words that they said all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. They couldn't decide where they were, where they were going. They had lightened the ship. There's a terrible tempest against them. Most of them are prisoners that are on the ship, amen, because that's where they do belong because of the wrong that they have done. And they came to that place in life, that juncture in the road. You know what? 
I don't think there's any hope left for us. I don't think there's any avenue out of what we have got ourselves in. I don't think there's any way to turn any of this around. We, we don't know where we're going. And we don't know where we have necessarily come from. And we, we can't tell where we're located at right now. There is no more hope. I dare to say this morning that we live in a grand world. That there's a lot of people floating among, if you will, the sea of life. That are at that exact juncture in time. They feel like they're is no more hope for them that they have transgressed the threshold that's in their mind that says they can't have a turnaround they can't have a u-turn there there is no way possible for anything to change so they're just going to have to continue going in the path and in the direction that they are going can someone say amen they said all hope is taken away from this. There's no chance for change. Forgiveness for them is just a concept. It's just an idea. It's not a reality. It's just something that you talk about and never be able to experience. Amen. They're thinking at a moment in time, you know what? Too far for us has been too far. I'm unredeemable. There's nothing about me or part of me that would even possibly be capable of being redeemed. I've went beyond the, that, that predetermined point where, where it cannot be mended. The pieces cannot be put back together. There's no way possible for sense to be made out of all of this. I come as a preacher on this Sunday morning that might be striking a chord with somebody that came into this place and said, you know what, pastor, that's where I've been at the land of too far, at the land of no more options, at the land of no more hope. But ladies and gentlemen, if we can just insert two words in your life this morning, but God. That changes the dynamics of everything. The conjunction in and of itself but means something that is contrary to something that has already been spoken. It is something that is in contrast to what is expected. Hey man, I'm going to go to the store, but I decided to go to, to, to the gas station first. There's a change. There's an alteration in and of itself using the word but. But there comes another change, another possibility, another avenue. When you take that word but and you couple it with God. Hey man, it can change the dynamics of a life. The road, the path that you think is hopeless and cannot be altered. It can change all of that. If we can just simply insert those two words, but God. Someone say amen. amen. Well, pastor, you don't know my story. And I know today that everyone has a story. We all, to a certain degree, have a story. I often tell people that I would rather read nonfiction than I would fiction because there are some true to life stories that are just as fascinating as what another author may try to make up or contrive up. There's enough real life things that grabs a hold of my attention. I've read life stories, seen life stories that contained loss and success and bitterness. I've seen stories of life that had paintbrushes of betrayal and if you will some times of mystery and disappointment I've seen other stories with genuine kindness and love and concern but also hate I've seen real life stories of infidelity 
amen, of hope and hopelessness. And the list can go on. Our stories, real life stories, and they surround us, ladies and gentlemen, every day. And we walk around sometimes, people do in general with their facades and they have the fronts on their faces. But underneath all of those fronts and all of those facades, underneath all of those masks, lay the pages and sometimes even a chapter of a story that has had all these twists and turns and upside downs that life can ill afford an individual. And if we only knew, if we really only knew the pain and the frustration of those previous pages, if we only knew the pain and the lingering guilt and shame of chapters that had already ended and be written around us, we would understand the very network of humanity just a little bit better. Just a little bit better. I stood at a gas station pump this week. I stood at a gas station pump this week because there was someone called that was needing some help with some gas. I told him I'd meet them at Casey's and I did. Stood at that gas station pump as this person put gas into their vehicle. I'd known this person since I was a kid. Known this person since I was a kid. This individual was, was what may be termed as someone that just lived down by the river, enjoyed whatever life down at the river had to offer, which usually meant fishing, partying, drinking. I've been down to that river camp uh, before not involved in that type of aspect but I've been down to that river camp before that's what took place there amen that's what happened there amen and I looked at this individual now years have passed 20 some odd years have passed they're pumping gas into their car telling me how they and their wife are both on disability Tell me how much money they get a month, which folks was not enough to live on within a month, yet it seems like they get it accomplished. Telling me about all these different things. I'm just standing there, mind you. I'm just there really paying for gas. But while I stand there, Brother Terry, there's a story. There's a story that's starting to be told. There's a cracking of the voice that's coming in, in the, the, the voice of this person that is talking to me. Didn't even know if I would remember them, but they're talking. The cracking of the voice. And I'm standing out there in the cold and I'm seeing the glaze of water come up on their eyes as they're pumping gas and they're telling the story. And I'm sitting there, not maybe at that moment after I got back to the church and went to my knees in prayer. God was bringing all of that to my mind. And I was just thinking, here is a story that's already had several chapters written. Here is a story that's beyond the middle of life. Here is a story that's had all these different things a part of it. And you know what they're really missing? What they really need is just a but God moment in their story. All they need is just two simple words to be interjected Folks, that was just at a gas pump because somebody needed gas. But there's somebody where you live, where you work, where you walk, where you talk, that they have a story. They have a facade. They have a front. They think there's no way. There's no possibility. There's no chance. But they need a but God moment in their life. That can change everything. You don't know my story. I may not. I know some of y'all's stories, but there's some that may be said in here that's cloaked their past, and that's okay. And you say, well, you don't know my story. Can I tell you, within the past couple of weeks, I read a story. And I'll get to my text. I read a story about a man who left his home. As a matter of fact, he left everything that he was familiar with 
he became he became part of what we would call scripturally unequally yoked, what we would call unequally yoked. He left his home, he yoked himself up with a woman, not of his faith or belief, married her. He had three children in this marriage, three boys as a matter of fact. Eventually this man would suffer the loss of two of his oldest boys after they had already married. He'd suffer the loss of two of his oldest boys. But yet before even his youngest boy was at a marriageable age. And this father in time would eventually lose that wife that was out of, out of yoke with him, was not of the same faith or belief system as he. And he made a choice. He made a choice. Sometime after that wife had died that he would solicit the services of what would seem to be a prostitute, a lady of ill repute, and for that solitary moment, that, that choice that he made, that solitary moment of intimacy that they had, that woman would become pregnant. And she then would be calling back to this man, demanding his support because she had children, not just child. She was pregnant with twins. She let him know, I got your kids in my womb and I want your support. And the twist of the story, man, really gets deep. Come to find out this woman had been this man's daughter-in-law. Was this man's daughter-in-law. And so she had two children. He did. They had two children out of wedlock with his daughter-in-law. And nothing is spoken of them ever marrying. True story. Really happened. It's not fiction. We might think, man, this is bizarre. And others might think, you know what, I can identify a little bit with that. But the story I just told you is the story of Judah in Scripture. And Tamar, and one of those twin boys whose name was Perez. And if you search the Scriptures in Matthew 1, and you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, in his lineage you'll see the name Judah, you'll see the name Tamar, and you'll see the name Perez all being a part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So I come to tell you, I don't care what your story is. I come to tell you, I don't know, I don't care how many marriages you've been through. I don't care how many children you've had out of wedlock. I don't care how deep to the gutter that you've been and all the alcohol that you've consumed. I don't care about the drugs that you've pumped in your body. I don't care about the dilemma that you find yourself in this morning. I'm telling you what you have need of is a but God. Someone say hallelujah. I don't care if you have solicited, amen, the services of a woman of ill repute. I just got two words for you. But God. Because some of you feel like you've stepped over the line. No, I've been that lady with a child out of wedlock. No, I've already had two husbands. Who cares? Lady, you've had five husbands and the one that you're with right now, it's not your own. Hey, man, but neither do I condemn thee. Go and sit no more. A but God moment. Yes, 
You don't have to tether yourself or tie yourself to another wrong decision or another mistake just because you think there's no hope and there's no place to turn around. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's still hope. There's still light at the end of the tunnel. There's still a God that can change, alter whatever your story has been written up to this point of time. But God. Amen. Here's the real thing. Here's the real deal. That we read in your hearing this morning. In Genesis. 21. That is this. God had a purpose. God had a plan for Abraham and for Sarah. He had a purpose and he had a plan for Abraham and Sarah. Listen to me this morning. The only way, and I emphasize the word only, the only way that plan will ever be executed and come to full fruition is as long as God remains as a part of the plan. He has the plan and the purpose. In order to reach it, God's got to be an integral part. In other words, we can't just do what we divine we want to do and think we'll reach the purpose and plan that God has for us, it must include God. The purpose and the plan. I'm going to give you a child. There's going to be many descendants that come from you. That's my purpose. That's my plan for Abraham and Sarah. Rather than keeping God a part of the plan, they do something that they think will help the plan out. The Bible says that Sarah gives Hagar unto her husband. Go into her, Abraham. Have a child. We'll count that as our seed. And so, in a moment of confusion, in a moment of trying to figure out, God, are you going to hold true to your promise? They react. And they respond and they try to get to the plan and the purpose without God being a part of it. And things go belly up. There is a child born. There is an Ishmael that is born. But we will read then a little later as it opens there in the chapter that I read to you. That God then kept his promise to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah has a child. His name is is Isaac, she's old. <laughs> Abraham is old. They are all beyond the years of being able to have children. Amen. If I could state it like this, whenever Abraham went back into Hagar, back in the history of his life, see, Abraham was uncertain. Anything else could happen with what they had to work with at that point in time in his life. 
who is uncertain if anything could take place. He, he was at a place, if I could say, concerning God's purpose and God's promise, he was at a place that all hope was gone for Abraham. Because only God can open a barren womb. Only God can whenever the stakes are high and you're beyond the years of giving birth to children. Only then it has to be a God element. It has to be a God factor that's brought into the case. Sarah, your womb is past the time of giving birth to a child. Abraham, you're old. It looks very hopeless. But God gave them a child according to the time of life as the promise and plan that he had in the form of Isaac. And the difficulty with Abraham and Sarah's lives is that, listen to me, listen to me very clearly now. The difficulty with Abraham and Sarah now, after Isaac was born, the promise of God, the intention of God is this is that they, listen, this is a bad way to live. They continued to try living life with their mistake and with their promise. The mistake came first. When God was integrated back into the equation, the promise that he had planned and purposed for took place. But whenever the promise came, the mistake was still living in the house as well. And they tried to live their lives with their mistake and with their promise. The Bible says that when Isaac, the promised child in Genesis there, when Isaac reached the age to be weaned from his mother, which was quite an older age back then than what we would do today. You mamas would have left that a long time ago if you kept... Uh, Nursing your children like they did back then until they got sometimes seven and eight years old. Amen. But he had reached an age that he was weaned from his mother. And as a result of it, listen to me. Abraham says, we're going to have a great feast. We're going to have a big celebration. Why? Because they're celebrating and honoring to a certain degree a milestone, listen to me, of maturity for the promise. They're celebrating a milestone of growth and maturity for the promise. But while they're on the verge of celebrating the growth of the promise and the maturity of the promise, there in the wings lies Ishmael the mistake. Amen. That was still living in the household. Still living alongside the miracle. And the Bible says that Sarah caught Ishmael mocking Isaac. Sarah caught this mistake mocking the promise because they lived in the same household. Sarah was a little upset. This is what God has given us, the promise. This is the son that God has caused to come from my womb, the promise. But the mistake of my past is mocking the promise of my future. What are we going to do about the dilemma? There's people that's living in that exact same place, sitting in this place this morning. You've already got your promise, but the mistake is still living in your household. And it's mocking every growth that the promise has. It's mocking every celebratory feast that is given to the promise. Every time it grows and matures, it's there mocking it. It's there speaking against it. It's Somebody hear me right now? 
Ishmael's over there thought, mocking. Well, don't he think he's a big boy now? Look at him. He's a big boy now, isn't he? He's weaned off mom. He's really something. He can really do something. What's he doing that for? Because he's trying to get you to somehow waver back into the mode of the mistake rather than to walk in the divine power of the promise God has for your life. And as long as you allow it in the house, it will mock, it will chastise, it will play with your mind, it'll lie to you, it'll deceive you, it'll trip you up. You know what Abraham, you know what Sarah told Abraham? Abraham, we need to cast out the past. We need to get rid of Hagar and we need to get rid of Ishmael. We need to put the past in the past, lay it aside, put the mistake behind us. Because as long as we entertain it, it's going to mock what's taking place in our life right now. Someone say amen. Amen. Just let me tell you. There will be there will be enough voices speaking into your life about your past without allowing it remain in your own home. Back in Acts chapter 9, when I read about the conversion of this man Saul into Paul that we spoke of on that boat where all hope was lost. The conversion of that man who was a persecutor of the Christian church, those that proclaim Jesus Christ, the man who, as Stephen's being stoned, stood there in the coats of those that hurled the stones were laying at the feet of Saul having his consent to what's taken place. Yet God forms and divines a but God moment for Saul on his way to Damascus with letters to do what he had done other places, persecuting the church and He's blind, waiting for a man, Ananias, to come see him. And Ananias does, and the scales, as it were, falls off of Saul's eyes. And he's baptized, and Scripture speaks to us filled with the Spirit of God. A but God moment in his life. But it's just a few verses past all of that in Acts 9 and verse 26. Brother Zach, if you could get Acts 9 and verse 26. Just a few verses past all of that. That the Bible says that when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. Disciples. Matthew and Mark and Luke and the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Don't allow the past to live in your life because there'll be enough people on the peripheral of your life that will play the role of bringing your past up. Saul had a but God moment. And the bona fide disciples that ate and slept and walked with the Lord said, 
You know what? I kind of don't believe he is. That's what some of you are up against today. You got your story. You think it's hopeless. You think there's no way out. And people on the peripheral, because here, here's what happens, folks. Have you ever started in the middle of a book and begin to read the story? You're greatly handicapped because you only know what is happening with the character at that moment. And you have no history of the character. And whenever people come into the lives of the church or into our lives, already in their life, we have started reading their story in the middle of their storybook. Somebody hear me right now? And so all we know about them is what's happening right now in their life. But you don't know those children out of wedlock. And you don't know those topsy-turvy marriages. And you don't know the things that they have walked in, the things that they have done. And now God's given them a but God moment. And you whisper over your shoulder and you say, you know what? I don't know if they are. Someone hearing me? You're a child of God. And we all have a story. Don't you dare allow Ishmael to stay in your house again because there'll be enough voices on the peripheral that will try to deny your but God moment and your experience and that you've come any distance at all. I feel the Holy Ghost today. I feel like God's directed me today because I believe sometimes with our stories, our facades, however they may have been written, that sometimes things that happen to us after we come to the Lord, I think we, we, we look at and underscore things that happen to us after we come to the Lord will always be negative things. Let me emphasize that. Negative things that happen to us after we come to the Lord are nothing more but consequences of the bad choices we made before we came to God. Listen to me. That happens. But that doesn't mean every negative thing that happens to you after you come to the Lord is directly tied to a consequence of a bad choice you made before God. Some of the bad that happens to you after you come to God doesn't have anything to do with consequences of bad decisions before God. What happens is they're coming upon you. Hey Amen. They're opposing you and they're facing you because you're playing on a different team than what you play, first played on. You're attempting to lead a different. What are you saying, Brother McGee? Well, if I use good old Paul here just one more time, after they had shipwreck on the island called Melita, the Bible says he's over here putting wood on the fire and there comes a viper up out of the fire and latches onto Paul's hand. Now, some would say that happened because Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. Bless God, he's getting exactly what he deserves. Still paying the consequences for all that wrong and past in his life. Matter of fact, the people of the island listened to me that were just getting into the middle of Paul's story. Say, this man must be a murderer. And he escaped the sea, but now vengeance is coming upon him. This is why the snake has grabbed a hold of his hand. That wasn't the case at all concerning the serpent that came out of the fire. All that whole episode wasn't happening as a consequence to what he had done. It was happening as an opposition against him about what he was now doing with his promise and his purpose. 
for God. So please, sir, please, ma'am, do not label everything negative that's happening to you right now. Oh, I'm just being punished for another consequence. No, it could be on the contrary. You've had your but God moment. He's taking you to your promise. He's leading you to your purpose. And all of hell is going to fight against you until you obtain and reach what God has in store. Because what happens, the plague of your mind takes place. Well, if this is how it's going to be after God and I'm still going to have all this headache, then I might as well turn around and go back to the pit from which I came. No, 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 don't do that. You hold on and anchor yourself in that but God moment and understand I'm just feeling some of the things I feel right now because I'm playing on a different team. I'm headed in a different direction. Oh, someone say yes. Someone say, but God. But God. But God. But God. Someone say amen. I want to talk to us. I'm trying to hit from several different angles here. I'm going to be a somewhat transparent with you. I find myself sometimes, and what you're about ready to hear, hear well, and it's true, calloused to people, their circumstances. Hear me out. Because for the better half of my life, I've been in a place where I have dealt with people. I don't know how else to say it. For, for 20, it's hard to believe to say this, but for 24 years, <laughs> I've been in a capacity that I deal with people. And I dare to say anybody that just lives in this natural life that your business or whatever it is that you do consists by and large with dealing with people that you probably at some time have experienced the same. You're a little calloused to people, their circumstances. Why? Because you've seen the good, you've seen the bad, you've seen the ugly. You've met many a schemers, you've dealt with liars, you've dealt with cheaters, swindlers, moochers, deceivers. Uh-huh. And as a result, as a result, I found myself unsympathetic at times to people and their supposed stories. Because that's my business. People. At times, Bishop, I'm expecting... High hopes and expectations. I'm expecting respectable class citizens to speak every word truthfully and are void of any hit of dramatization. Listen to me. But you got to realize when we do that, we're expecting that from a fallen family that gendered less than perfect people out of their offspring. A fallen family. I'm expecting no one to be a liar when 
the family tree is nothing but liars. Somebody hear me? I, I'm expecting, Brother Fred McGee, I, I'm expecting that there's going to be no drama, there's going to be no, no cheating, no mooching, but when the family tree all the way back to the garden of a fallen family genders fallen people, I understand Romans 5.14 that says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. But because they're a part of his family, they're a transgressor by default. And I'm expecting people that come from the family line of Adam, which is all of us, not to be cheaters, not to have drama in their life. Not, not, not to be people that's going to deceive me and lie me and swindle me and cheat me and all these things. Who, 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 I mean, who, who we are in many respects is the sum total of where we've been, what we've experienced leading up to that present time. Has a lot to do with our genetics, has a lot to do with our formative years. Amen. All these playing some major roles in our life, good and bad decisions as well. Amen. All of that up to a point in time. I'm expecting, Bishop, I'm expecting... Sometimes people that has not had a but God moment in their life to be like him. I'm expecting to start in the middle of the book before an ever but God moment happens. And I'm not saying this, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. And I'm expecting it to read like my story's reading. Amen. But just because it don't does not mean it can't. Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Gentiles about their former life. His description concerning them. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You walked according to the world. You walked according to Satan. You walked the way that he wanted you to walk. Your life was filled with lust. Your life was filled with desires of the flesh and desires of the mind. Paul said, you bunch of Gentiles were, were without Christ. You were without God. You were a stranger to the covenant promise. You were a stranger and a foreigner to the covenant promises of God. Your life was far from God. He said, you all were without hope. But then he said in verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, has chose you, has saved you, has altered your story. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But, God, if you'll stand with me this morning, I don't want to belabor a concept or an idea here today.
through the transgression of the first Adam. Although you didn't take place after the same similitude of Adam, man, that fallenness permeates everyone. But the second Adam, Christ, the but God moment came. And whereas by one man's sin, it entered into the world by one man's sacrifice, then is the possibility for it to be cleansed. But God, that's it. And so I'm talking to us this morning. If we can just bow our heads, I'm talking to us today. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice this morning and you have identified with anything that I've said today about how, Pastor, I've been to that threshold where it feels like when I stepped over, I couldn't turn around and go back over that place that I, I destined and fixed myself to a permanent place of disappointment in the eyes of God. And nothing can be mended from that. That's you this morning that's saying there is no hope. There is no cure for the pages, the chapters, the sentences that have been written up to this point of time. I've just got two words for you. But God. If you've had that moment, but it seems like your mistake and your miracle are living in the same house. Every time that you would make some headway, every time that you would make some advancement, it seems like your mistake is mocking your promise. Today, I'm asking you, show your past the door. Show your past the door because it will always try to undermine where your promise has taken you. Rest assured knowing this, there will always be people on the outside, the peripheral of your life that will try to bring up where you once were but you're not living this for them anyway you're living this for God and they just came into your life in the middle of your storybook but God has been there from the start and he'll be there at the end he knows all the, the, the valleys and the tops of the mountains in that story the twist, the turns, the climax but he also has the resolution he also has the resolution. God is here this morning. Now I'm talking to us then that's maybe not in that place and we've already had those moments. Honey, please don't be a voice that degrades someone's God moment. Don't be as the disciples were and say, you know, I don't know if they are. Keep that to your own little mind. Keep that to your own little mind. Because in reality, when they walk through these doors, I only see and know what's happening in their life at that moment. I haven't seen the children that they buried. I haven't seen the children they buried like Judah did after he left home and joined himself to someone outside the faith. Someone hearing me. I don't know that part. I feel in the Holy Ghost there's people here today that's dealing with some things in the past. I feel people have, as the greatest enemy in their life, the memories of their past is posing some of their greatest enemy right now in their life. Let this be a but God moment this morning. Without hope, hope. 
dead in your sins and your transgressions, alive in your forgiveness for God. Someone hear me right now? Lived according to the world. Now you live according to his holy book. Followed fastly after the desires of your flesh. Now tries to satisfy the desires of your maker. But God, but God, these altars are open this morning. I wish someone would take advantage. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.